I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today the business at hand is the business of running a very highly successful, even legendary restaurant in a very, very highly competitive environment. And you've heard me say that before. We talk about businesses succeeding in competitive environments. In this case, we're talking about one of the world's most culinary competitive environments, and it's a topic that uh, not only are people interested in because uh, everybody can relate to a, a good meal uh, on a very visceral level, but also because there are a lot of people, a lot of listeners who have thought about starting a restaurant and find it interesting to learn about what it takes to succeed. And there's a competitive environment in most uh, most cities particularly, but in the city of New Orleans or Nolens, uh, there's a particularly competitive environment, so I'm pleased to have as my guest today Brenda Pudrum, who is the niece of Chef Paul Pudrum, the legend, uh, legendary chef who uh, put Cajun and Creole cooking on the map. And Brenda manages the front house at K. Paul's uh, restaurant while her husband, executive chef Paul Miller, runs the kitchen. And together they carry on the legacy of the world-famous K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen that is in New Orleans. And so I'm really pleased uh, to welcome Brenda to the show. Um, good morning, Brenda. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. How's the weather in uh, New Orleans? It is gorgeous here. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Yeah, it looks that way here, too. Um, now... I don't think there's any mystery to um, why K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen is is world famous. It's 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 pretty much that uh, chef celebrity chef Paul Poudrome uh, put it on the world map. Uh, he was your uncle, and he passed away in 2015. And with a little support from other celebrity chefs like Justin Wilson and Emeril Lagasse. He was probably the most prominent in raising the profile of New Orleans as a culinary uh, capital, uh, but also he really put Cajun and Creole cuisine uh, on the map worldwide, and uh, and he did it with having uh, a very, very um, deep set of roots uh, to uh, Cajun country, uh, didn't he? He did, he did. And I think that um, one of the things that sparked for him to uh, come back to Louisiana, because he traveled a lot, you know, um, working in different different places for many years, <clears throat> but he knew that the the ingredients and the, the, the product that we have locally in Louisiana was something that was never tapped into, and that a lot of the new generations were getting, uh, getting away from cooking at home and making everything homemade and, you know, getting everything from the land and from our, our, our local waters. So when he came back, that was his goal, actually, is to just revitalize what we really have in Louisiana as beautiful, wonderful things that we can work with and just bring it back out, you know? Well, you know, there, there are a lot of chefs who... Um, 
end up traveling the world or, or different regions uh, in the United States and and don't ever really make it back uh, to the place that uh, where they began uh, or n- near to their hometowns. But in this case, as you say, he made it back to uh, New Orleans and to Louisiana, uh, and he knew that this was going to be the best place to get that full range of ingredients, uh, fresh in- ingredients, um, whether it's, it was produce or, or fish or fowl or whatever. Uh, in fact, he sourced some of the uh, actual uh, products from uh, farmers uh, that he uh, farmed uh, nearby uh, with uh, through his family, and so even before farm to table was a uh, popular phrase, he was uh, doing exactly that, taking some of the freshest ingredients and a broad range of them. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and and what it was like, because he grew up in Appaloosa, and so did you, and uh, you grew up. In, in what would what I'd consider to be a very very rich environment from the perspective of food, and uh, he carried that through to the restaurant. Yes, very very much so. Um, um, Paul's brother, Eldon, uh, one of his elder brothers, he had he had he had a little uh, a little bit of land, but he, uh, Paul wanted him to grow everything that he was going to cook as far as meat goes. So, uh, my uncle grew, and the the feed was particularly uh, paid attention to what what they were going to be eating. But the, our duck, chicken, chicken eggs, duck eggs for the bakery. Um, uh, my my aunt also did um, pickling, so she made a lot of jellies and chutneys and all that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of our stuff came from his brother's land. Um, as far as that goes. So there were not uh, as many purveyors um, back then as, as we actually have now. So um, that that made a real big difference when people came in and they tasted our food because it was fresh. It was literally fresh and and um, the way the way that the the meat was um, was fed made a big difference in the taste as well. So people really paid attention to that, and they, you know, it was a big deal. You know, um, farm to fresh, or or, or, uh, farm to table, rather, uh, and fresh foods, fresh ingredients um, prepared right, has become popular in a lot of um, parts of the world. Some parts of the world might have uh, retained that concept, uh, maybe, uh, you know, little towns in Italy and France, or for that matter, Asia and in different places were, were, were doing something similar. But in the U.S., for the longest time, we got away from that. And for Chef Prudhomme to foster that, that approach as many years ago as, as he did, there would have been a real difference in taste, uh, you know, because you there were a lot of restaurants uh, that were getting their products uh, um, a day or two or three or four or more, uh, and he was getting it from people, uh, family in some cases, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and and he knew exactly what he was getting, and and it was truly fresh without having to be considered a farm to table at the time. 
So that, that's true. And, and, you know, the other thing, the other part of all of this is, you know, he really wanted to maintain that quality so, so we never had a freezer. Um, from the beginning up until now, we don't, we don't have freezers. If we can't get it in fresh or if the quality's not right, we print our menu every day anyway, so if we don't have it, we don't have it, and we source out something else. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's certainly a, a symbol of uh, freshness when you're not uh, keeping anything frozen on the premises. Um, you know, in uh, 2005, uh, Chef Prudhomme was characterized as the most famous American chef in the world, and uh, in '79, he uh, prior. To that, he he had started the restaurant along with uh, wife Kay, and uh, it was called Kay Pals. Kay Pauls. Tell us a little bit about that name. Well, um, yeah, Chef and Kay met. They they met here in New Orleans, of course. Um, so they, you know, they had worked together a little bit, and then when when Chef was still at Commander's, that they they decided that they would like to open up a little place for for their own. And one thing Chef had always said, and Kay as well, you know, when we do be open up our own place, it's going to be exactly the way we want it to be. So they didn't want to work holidays. They didn't want to work weekends. They wanted to do it the way that they wanted, and that's exactly what they did. So when from day one, it was first come, first serve, so it was community seating. We only had 60, 62 seats in there anyway. Um, it's cash only and closed on weekends. So... Um, that's how it started, and from then, all these little things evolved. The Cajun Martini came up with all of this. Um, you know, uh, tell, tell our listeners what a Cajun Martini is. Well, um, we didn't really have a bar per se, so people were saying, oh, well, can we, you know, it was just soft drinks. Kay and Chef both felt that if people were to start consuming alcohol and wine and everything else, they would. It would influence their taste buds, and they wanted <coughs> to get the full flavor of the actual food. Well, that lasted a couple of years because then people really wanted to have a cocktail or a glass of wine or beer. So we started with beer and wine. So then our food back then was quite spicy, I might say. There was no holding back, I can tell you that. So they wanted a, um, a cocktail, so Kay said, okay, y'all want a cocktail? I'll give you a cocktail. And so they marinated chili in vodka and gin for about four, five, four, four or five days. And then they served that as a martini. Just, I mean, it was actually just to be fun, you know, just as something fun. And it took off. I mean, it till today. Right now, today, that's one of our most popular cocktails that we have on our menu for drinks. Yeah, I might add that uh, I didn't get a chance to have that martini, but I did have a jalapeno margarita. Which was uh, you, it was yeah, a spicy the delicious. Yeah, margarita is very popular too, and that has a great flavor as well. Yeah, it was a really, really flavorful uh, martini, uh, and I I, um, I also think symbolic of uh, old school quality. I had a, an old fashioned, um, and your <clears throat> bartender prepared it uh, beautifully. Uh, it was it was a really uh, great tasting. Uh, Cocktail, and this was prior to a couple of wines that we paired with with our food. Uh, so I I can attest uh, that um, uh, you've got a great bar as well as a great kitchen. I want to talk a little bit about 
Chef Paul's uh, and and you know we're talking about Paul Padron because he is uh, at the core of the legacy for uh, K Pauls and back to when he was um, a young man in in uh, New Orleans. You know, he worked with, with Richard Brennan, and Richard Brennan, uh, we want to give a tip of the hat to uh, some other uh, uh, major players, although Paul Boudrum was really at the nucleus uh, for launching the popularity of uh, Cajun and Creole cooking. Uh, you know, he worked with Richard Brennan and helped turn Commander's Palace into a, a high-profile restaurant. Um, but also between Brennan's and the Commander's Palace, you know, you've got chefs like um, Emeril Lagasse. And I know for uh, a time, Kevin Rathbun here in Atlanta, one of the Iron Chefs and a, and a, and a popular chef nationally, uh, worked uh, at Brennan's. And also a few weeks back, we had Peter Kaiser, who has started a, a very fine restaurant uh, here in Atlanta, uh, Kaiser's Chop House. Peter worked for a time uh, at Brennan's along with Kevin, and he and Kevin now are partners. And so what we're talking about, and, and, and Chef Paul along the way would have influenced that early uh, restaurant scene to the point that these other uh, chefs have derived the benefits of his uh, celebrity uh, status and his popularizing uh, uh, Southern American Cajun Creole cooking. Um, and I, I, I want to, uh, you know, give him his just due because, you know, you have a lot of uh, chefs um, that played pivotal roles in, in their hometowns or at least the, the town where they became most popular. But Chef Prudhomme was really a, a, a star, you know, a supernova, if you will, um, in that culinary scene. Uh, he was, but I, I will say this: he was a very he's a very humble person, and he would when people would just you know, um, just you know really thank him for you know the food and and um, him pioneering things. He said, "Look, I'm just a cook," and it's true. It, what, there's not there's no culinary school, and I think that was the big difference. I think the big difference with him as opposed to a lot of other people. There's a lot of people, and I'm not putting down culinary school. There's, there's a lot of things there that, you know, people need to know. But he just cooked what he knows, what he grew up with, what felt good, what he knew tasted good, and he continued to create different tastes and layers of food. You hear that more now than ever, ever before. All these people on TV will say it's about the layering of the food. It's about the layering of the flavors of the, you know, how you put, when you put things together, which creates the final product. That all came from him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and, and a lot of times you can blend different ingredients and you can get a hint of, of the ingredient, but if it's not layered right, you don't really get a distinct, uh, uh, differentiation in those tastes. We're going to be taking a break, and we're going to come back. We're talking with Brenda Prudhomme about what it takes to run a legendary uh, restaurant, K. Paul's, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and we'll be back with Brenda in just a bit. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. 
Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Brenda Prudrome, and we've been talking about what it takes to, oh, foster the legend and run a highly successful restaurant and a little bit about uh, the legendary um, chef Paul Prudrome. And, you know, earlier I mentioned uh, that there were uh, chefs like Kevin Rathbun, Peter Kaiser, Emeril Lagasse, uh, that derived either directly or indirectly uh, the benefit of the groundwork that was laid by uh, people like Richard Brennan, but most notably Chef Paul Boudrome, and also another chef that would have derived, uh, I guess you could call it some benefit, would have been Chef Paul Miller. Um, I mentioned uh, at the um, intro to the show that uh, Chef Paul Miller, who is your husband, runs the kitchen and uh, could have uh, gone off to start um, uh, Miller's um, Steakhouse or Cajun Restaurant or, or something like that. But uh, instead, he chose to uh, stay at Cape Paul's with you. And uh, he is now uh, at the core of, uh, of preserving the legacy. Yeah, it's funny because there's so many people, you know, back in the day, you know, everybody wanted to come work at Cape Paul's. If it's been for nothing else, just, just to learn the techniques that, um, that 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 chef was doing and had created. But it was there was something about Paul Miller and Paul Prudham that just that relationship that they had was just so strong, you know, and so confident with each other that um, many, many people that back in the day, uh, a lot of the guys uh, went off to do their own restaurants, and Chef really always wanted Paul Miller to stay, stay with him, you know, because um, they just had a lot of history together. I mean, honestly, Paul Miller has really not, has not worked with anyone else but Paul Prudham, because before Commander's Palace, uh, there was um, Brennan's of, of Atlanta, and that's where they met, actually. Oh, is that so right? When, yeah, so when, when Chef Paul Prudham went to uh, New Orleans, to so Commander's, not long after that, 
uh, Paul Miller, you know, was brought in, you know, to work with, with Chef, and they've been together ever since. So, honestly, Paul Prudhomme and Paul, Paul Miller only knows everything that Paul Prudhomme taught him. So there's no way that it would, you know, change because this is what Paul Miller has been taught his entire career. It's, it's, I, I guess exactly you... the way Paul Prudhomme, yes, taste, changing taste, the seasonings, changing seasonings, creating the seasonings, working on cookbooks, working on book tours, all the trade shows. You know, they were together throughout this entire journey of K-Paul. Well, I guess you would say that uh, he has uh, Paul Pudram's um, uh, DNA, uh, so to speak, uh, <laughs> as, as you do, uh, literally. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, authentic Louisiana uh, Creole Cajun. Uh, it, it's, it was in his Acadian roots, and they're in your uh, authentic Cajun Creole uh, roots. Do you have any any recollection of some of your favorite foods uh, as a child, and and can we uh, get a taste of those in the restaurant? Um, what? Because I'm one of six kids, and we grew up on you know um, twelve acres, so we had our own cattle and pigs and chickens and ducks, and we had all that too. Um. So I remember, I remember my mom learned a lot of what she knew as far as cooking from my grandmother. So, so that way, my mom cooked a lot of gumbo. She cooked a lot of stews, um, a lot of stews. I remember that very well. And there's a, there's a one particular dish that she would make for us. It's not going to be in the restaurant. Um, it was called Kush Kush. And it was just cornmeal. Cornmeal water salt, but the crust that was made with that in a cast iron in a cast iron skillet, that crust was like it was like golden. It was so wonderful, and of course we had fresh milk, you know, from from the cow. So right there. So that was that's one thing I remember very well. But I remember you know having company over, and she would just make the most beautiful. Um, a fricassee or a stew and gumbo and that, I, that's what I remember the most you know um, mm. of something that I can almost still smell it you know mm. you can, I can still smell it I see it I see her cooking in the kitchen with it so well, I, you know, those are some real good memories for, for me growing up about the way my mom cooked two things that come to mind uh, one um I think that's something that you might want to collaborate with uh, Chef Miller on and see if that uh, dish can't come to life because it, it, it sounded really good to me. And um, uh, two, uh, I think, um, you know, you were very, very, very lucky uh, to grow up in such a rich, you know, I mean, nobody used the term culinary environment, but, uh, you know, you, in fact, I, I, I guess it might have been, taken for granted um, by you and and your family and maybe even your neighbors uh, that they were uh, getting a chance to uh, eat some of the best food or some food that would ev eventually become uh, world famous. Uh, you probably didn't ever think of it in those terms. 
No, I mean, I remember in the summer, this is so funny, because, you know, our, our summers are very hot, but I remember my dad going out and getting, like, three fifty pound sacks of fresh corn. Like, we knew people that formed corn, we knew people that formed all kinds of things, because we lived, it, it was in the country. So... My mom, we would, it was like an ordeal. It was like a, a little, a little factory that we had. <laughs> somebody would shuck the corn, somebody would desilk it, somebody would pick it off the cob and then give it to mom. And mom would cook it down with tomato and onions and just make the most beautiful mock shoe. That's mock shoe, smothered corn. I mean, it sounds very simple and it is, but it's the most wonderful, the most wonderful thing that you could possibly ever have because it was fresh. Now, what we do at the restaurant when we make it, they do the fresh corn. They they roast it with the with the husk on, and then when they take the husk off, you get the. It smells like popcorn. It is the most beautiful, beautiful flavor ever. But taking all of those extra steps, that's what makes the difference. Is taking the extra step to make it the most wonderful thing that you could possibly do with that product you know brenda i have to admit i have never really experienced firsthand um what i have seen on tv uh a a couple of different times um probably most recently when andrew zimmern of uh you know delicious foods Mm -hmm. uh would have traveled to cajun country and uh and 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 got with uh, a big family, and you talked about the uh, a factory, kind of an assembly line. Everyone had their specialized roles to do things to make these really fantastic big family meals. Uh, and, you know, it, it's as if there was just a lot of love and a lot of uh, family participation. And, <clears throat> you know, in some sense, you – that – family quality has been carried over into your restaurant. I know that, for example, you still carried on the tradition that uh, Chef uh, Paul Pudram started, and that is a a family-style meal, um, or, you know, the staff gets together for a uh, a sit-down meal before uh, each uh, evening? Yes, we do, we do, um, yes, we do, uh, uh, Staff, staff meal every day. Every day, they, they Paul Miller does a, does a schedule, and all all of the cooks take a day and take a, a meal, and they they decide what they want to do. Paul Miller will order whatever they whatever dish that they want to do. Highlight something a little bit different than what we do at you know at for for service, and they'll they'll come in early and they'll prepare and cook it and put it out for staff. And I tell you what, sometimes our staff meal is unbelievable. It's just really wonderful because the chefs and the cooks want to showcase what what's it, what they really enjoy. So they have an opportunity to do something different. We've got this one guy that's been with us for over 20 years. He's from India. Really wonderful, wonderful, talented guy. So of course he does. He knows all of his all the Indian dishes. So he'll get he'll. Of course, we don't carry those spices because that's not what we do. So he'll have Paul Miller order certain spices or he'll go get certain spices that that he's going to make an, an Indian dish, a curry dish, you know, or something a little spicy. 
and it's just wonderful to have all of these different backgrounds of chefs and cooks that will come and showcase with staff meals. So, you know, that's that's another whole whole element that, you know, we're able to enjoy just by us getting together and going, wow, this is like, I've never had anything like this before, you know? So, you know, we have a, um, sometimes we'll carry a, a young staff front of house, and so there's so much to teach them about food, and there's so much to teach them of how we do things and why we do it, and for, you know, when we hire staff front of house, they are not. They're not going to go on the floor and be a waiter until they have had everything that's on our menu. They have. They have to taste absolutely everything. They have to understand it. They have to know about it. But if you don't taste it, you cannot relay that important element of explaining something to somebody unless you've had it. And so, you know. I want to share with the audience a little bit about uh, my server, and uh, I'll do that right after this break. Uh, we're here with Brenda Pudram, who is the caretaker of uh, K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen in New Orleans. We'll be back to learn more about that incredible uh, restaurant right after this break. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine, where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we're here with Brenda Pudram of K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen in New Orleans. Brenda has been uh, tasked with uh, maintaining uh, a legendarily high-quality operation, and we're going to learn more about that uh, as the program goes on. But we were talking about staff, and one comment I wanted to make was, 
you know, who better than your 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 staff member from India to have an appreciation for some of the spices? So I bet he uh, literally cooks up some really great stuff that you get to have in the staff meal that we don't ever get to see on the menu. And my other comment was that on my visit, and, you know, I, I feel bad because I, I, I uh, asked Sheila for an email address, but I didn't. I, I cannot find it. So she would have been able to tune into this program and know that I wanted to credit her with with being just a real wonderful uh, server who, uh, you know, who shared... Uh, who shared the love? Who you know? Who who took good care of us? Uh, it was real hospitality. And I might also add that um, I wanted to taste your uh, your turtle soup, but you know was leaning toward the gumbo. So I got the gumbo, and one of the other waiters overheard me deliberating out loud, and then brought me over a taste of the, the turtle soup, which was fantastic. So your whole your whole team, your whole team is just yeah. uh, the embodiment of ho- hospitality. Well, you know, I, th- I think everybody is because they see how people react when they when they're when they're eating, and they go, "Wow, this!" You know, I guess some sometimes people are just surprised a little bit as how how people are so blown away, you know, by the the taste, the presentation, the staff, you know, the way the whole feel of the place, you know. It's 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 really wonderful to see how people really enjoy enjoy their meals, their company, their wait staff. <clears throat> and it takes and like you had, you had Sheila, which is perfect. Sheila's been with us for eighteen years. So she knows she knows the food. She knows the place. She knows the history. She knows the stories. She knows the places we've been, and she loves what what she does. So that all, you know, wrapped up into one person to be able to communicate with the guests makes makes a big difference. It's like she just draws. She was one. She just draws you in. She really does. She's just good with that. <laughs> She's got a great sense of humor. Uh, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, it's kind of dry and and uh, uh, you know, uh, it comes through as a, as a real person. And I think that you know, uh, that's one of the best things a server can do is just be a person and not a <clears throat> automated uh, uh, what I call a waitron or a, you know, or a, you know, an automated server. She she was just a real person and and she did a really great job and. I, you know, I want I want to talk a little bit about my particular meal because all of it was prepared to perfection. But even at the cocktails, as I mentioned before, were were just wonderful. The gumbo was incredible. Uh, the turtle soup, the taste that I had, and it gave me kind of more a, a smidgen more than a taste, and, a, and it was really uh, delicious. But also, uh, my wife had uh, the shrimp enchilada. And wow, was that ever tasty? Uh, there was nothing left on that plate. She had a blackened uh, uh, Louisiana drum uh, for her entree, and I had a stuffed veal chop, which was out of this world. And you know, even your bread—there were three different kinds of bread. I don't know if you use a, a, a you know, a, a bakery uh, 
that's down the block or comes out of your kitchen. But there were three different kinds of bread, and each one of them was really good. You know, were, yeah, we have our own bakery. They were just so we you know, have yeah we have our own bakery. They make the breads fresh every day. They make the yeast red the yeast rolls. We have the mommy yeast roll, the jalapeno cheddar. We have the carrot pecan. We have the southern biscuit. So those are the breads we we have that we all, we give to all of our guests um, every night. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I you know our desserts that that's homemade. You know everything everything made. You know it, they even the bakery even does our croutons that we use for our salad. So you, you everything know. is. We'll do, we'll do. We'll do absolutely everything we can to make sure it's done in house. <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it, we might sound like we're belaboring this, but you know, there are a lot of bread lovers out there <clears throat> like me. It sort of sometimes uh, sets the tone for the meal, along with uh, whatever cocktails. <clears throat> but but that was it. It was the jalapeno uh, cheddar uh, uh, muffin, the carrot pecan muffin, and the yeast rolls that we had. The combination that we had. Now, any one of those would have been a great um, accent to the meal, but we got all three, and they were really good, and you weren't skimpy, uh, you know. So um, uh, kudos to that one aspect uh, uh, of the meal. And then I want to talk a little bit about some of the other menu items, but before I forget, I want to ask you if, uh, <clears throat> as a child, had turducken uh, been Something that was a, a, a Cajun or Creole invention, or because Chef Pudram is definitely credited with popularizing turducken, um, which you might describe for listeners. But but could you get it as a child? No, we didn't. We didn't know anything about that. I mean, we had turkey, duck, and chicken, but we never put them all together like that. He did. He created. He just made that up. You know. <clears throat> so, and he would do stuff like this, you know. He would, he just, you know, uh, just his taste buds were just a God-given talent that he just possessed, and he took it and went as far as he could with his talent. That, that I have to appreciate and respect. That's for sure. Yeah, because inventiveness. When he when he did the the turkey, duck, and chicken, he, that's trademarked by by him. Now. Uh, people do this all over the all of day. Everybody says that they're the ones that created, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because they're not going to do those three dressings the way that we do those three dressings, probably. But it's in the cookbook, so I mean, it's available for anybody to cook. And you know what? He always wanted people to learn and go back and teach everybody that they're around how to do things that you make from, from scratch, that you created it, and you don't you try not to buy store-bought things as much as possible. He was so truly... He was, he was very happy to, to teach people what, what he did and how he did it. He, he was truly an innovative or inventive chef, and you know, he was a sharing kind of guy. Uh, you know, you, yes. you really, you get a sense that he was trying to share the love uh, and when he he wrote uh, uh, these very notable books, um, the Louisiana Cajun Magic Cookbook, um, that was one. Fiery Foods That I Love was another. Uh, the Pudrum uh, Family Cookbook 
old-time Louisiana recipes, uh, he he was sharing uh, his love for food and his inventiveness. And so, as you say, you can get a turducken recipe from from a book, uh, and yet uh, it. Uh, I, I was not aware that he was the uh, uh, inventor. Uh, I am not surprised, but I knew. He was the one who who put that uh, that dish on the map, along with other uh, Cajun Creole, Louisiana, uh, and uh, you know I, I refer to it as American Southern Louisiana Cajun Creole. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you think that that's a, a good assessment, but it, but it was it's more than just regional in some sense. You know, it it it, it has become symbolic of uh, American cooking and. And he might have been one of the first recognized inventive chefs. You know, you you, you, you have a lot of chefs, you know, from Julia Child, uh, you know, uh, to, to some of today's very uh, recognized um, t- celebrity chefs that cook the classics. Uh, and uh, you also have American chefs who are very inventive, but Chef Prudhomme was also inventive before inventive was cool, I think. I mean, you know, t- in terms of a lot of different items. Right, right. Um, he- I, I think I think his, his influence really kicked off, you know, after, after um, the restaurant. See, a lot of people wanted, people from all over the country, cooks, cooks or people right out of culinary school or whatever, they wanted to come and do... A, uh, a stint of time under Paul Paul Prudhomme for no other reason than, than to, number one, experience it, and number two, say that they, they you know, they were at K, K. Paul's. <clears throat> and he welcomed people to, to come in and teach them, you know, because it was something, you know, he felt everybody should know how to do this, you know, <laughs> just because it's fun and it's delicious and it's something you share. It's something you share and you know, and and I think it goes back to why you know staff meal was so important because it created a family atmosphere that a lot of these these people probably didn't grow up with. So creating that family feeling, it that flowed over into how they were as a server, how they were as a cook, how they felt about their job, how they felt about what they were doing. It wasn't just a job. It became an emotional feeling at that point. And that's something that a lot of places, you know, you would hope a lot of places can capture that and, and create that atmosphere with their staff because then you have a sense of belonging, you have a sense of family, and then everybody takes care of each other. That was another thing Chef and Kay did. They took care of the staff. You know, and so it was. They didn't have children, but they had all of us. So we were the children. <laughs> so well, that worked out fine. <laughs> Brenda, I get a sense that you and uh, Chef Miller do the same thing in in fostering that kind of environment because you can feel that uh, hospitality along with the great tasting food. There's a, a spirit uh, <coughs> at K. Paul's, and I I, I want to uh, quote. Uh, 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 a, a it's a quote uh, that uh, came from um, uh, Claiborne. Uh, he said that uh, 
uh, Craig Claiborne, uh, famous uh, culinary writer, uh, the, that that Chef um, Pudrum was the undisputed pontiff and grand panjandrum of the Cajun and Creole cookstove. And another quote uh, from Alice Waters, and you know Alice Waters is credited on the West Coast as being sort of a leader in that farm to table and uh, and and. Uh, uh, a certain style of cooking regional California cuisine, um, but she also had uh, a, a high degree of respect, and she talked about a time when uh, she experienced um, Chef Pajum's, uh, uh cooking at the Tavern of the Green in New York. It was uh, He was invited to a cooking demonstration, and uh, she was quoted as saying, he constructed out of chocolate, little Cajun cabins with little front porches. Each person had one, and under the roofs were little Louisiana strawberries. The waiters came around with a big bowl of warm creme anglaise. They poured it over to the, the cottages, and they all just melted. And I just thought, who dreamed this up? <laughs> I don't know when he slept. Yeah. Or, or, or when he slept, that's all he did was dream of food. <laughs> different things to do and and you know we're, we're going to take a break but when we come back we're going to i'm going to actually you know touch on some of the menu items that we haven't talked about and have you tell us a little bit about them we're here with bender brenda pudrum of uh k paul's famous restaurant in louisiana and we'll be back with brenda right after this break perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare. Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Brenda, Brenda Pudrum of... 
Cape Hall's Louisiana Kitchen, the world-famous restaurant that Chef Paul Pudram uh, started uh, in 1979, and uh, after he passed, the baton um, was passed on to uh, Brenda Pudram, who has done a, a, a wonderful job of maintaining uh, the quality. And as I said at the start of the program, we're talking about New Orleans, which is a highly, highly, highly competitive uh, culinary environment. There are restaurants that are more than 100 years old, uh, and uh, a number of them uh, believe in the old school approach to, to quality food and quality service and elegant settings, but uh, none does it better, in my opinion, than uh, Cape Hall's. And I want to ask you about some of the the, the menu items, uh, Brenda. I, we, we're not going to be able to go through all of them, but I'm going to name uh, three here. If there's one of them you want to talk about or all of these um, appetizer items, you have fried green tomatoes with shrimp chipotle remoulade. You have fried buffalo frog legs with onion rings, and you have sunken eggplant pierogies with shrimp and wild black pepper cream. Now, I don't know who else serves uh, those particular items, uh, or for that matter, the shrimp enchilada I mentioned earlier, but do you want to tell us a little bit about those, uh, the fired green tomatoes with a shrimp chipotle remoulade, for example? Yeah, uh, and we get get cases of uh, actually some beautiful, firm fried green tomatoes, and then it's seasoned, and then it's done in... um, uh, cornmeal and flour and then and then it's fried so that that right there and then the, the shrimp is sauteed and then it's it's uh coated with the remoulade sauce and then they they put one on top of the other with the remoulade on the inside people love that absolutely hands down that's one that's one dish that um appetizer that people really enjoy and we really encourage them to do that because a lot of people that come, they don't, they've never had a, number one, they've never had a green, green tomato, okay? That's just not what they think that, they think all tomatoes should be red and juicy, but these are not. So, you know, that's a, that's a Louisiana thing, that's for sure. And then a turtle soup, we get, we get the turtle meat. <clears throat> and these are farm-raised, and they're from Mississippi. Um, right, these so are not endangered species turtles. These are farm-raised no, turtles. No, 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 no. Yep. These are, these are farm-raised. Yep. So we're not, we're not going to fool with anything that's endangered. Trust me. <laughs> so yep. the turtle meat is also uh, cooked with um, with with uh, beef tenderloin. So the the beef tenderloin, because it has more fat on it, it's going to bring out more the flavor. And that's because if it was just turtle meat, turtle meat doesn't have any fat. So that the fat is the flavor, of course. So that is with the, you know, stock and the vegetables and the reduction, that's the turtle soup. So it's it's something we also encourage um, people to at least try it, you know, as far as that goes. And then the gumbo is a dark roux-based uh, soup. And the andouille, we have, a, we have our own um, sausage plant out in the country in Melville, and they make um, andouille that we sell retail as well as they, you know, ship it to us. Um, and there again, Paul Miller was uh, a key person to create the sausage in the beginning, and then um, with Paul Prudhomme start the 
um, sausage factory. And they also do tasa, which is a highly seasoned um, ham, <clears throat> smoked ham. So we also get that from our um, sister company as well. And then the eggplant, the eggplant, okay, so the eggplant, we call it a P-Row because it's like a, uh, a vessel that they used to use to, in the water to, to go fishing. So it's a, it's a canoe deck, basically. So that canoe shape is what they make the eggplant. So they'll peel the eggplant, <coughs> cut it lengthwise, core it out, and shape it like, like a P-Row, like a canoe. That's why it's called eggplant pierrot. Not a pierogi, as I pronounced it. Yeah, (laughs) and then they fill it. We fill it with all kinds of different things. The most popular one that is done, now the sunken one that you're referring to is they'll take half of that eggplant, cut it quarter, and then it looks like a half of a sunken pierrot, which is a canoe. So that's where that comes from. But one one of the favorite things to to fill it with is the achafal- seafood achafalaya. Oh, my goodness. That, I, I'm amazed when people can actually finish everything on their plate. So I, I always, you know, I always go and say congratulations for, for even attempting to even finish everything on your plate. But yeah, it, you know, that, yeah, that's it, a very popular dish. All of your um, <clears throat> your uh, your servings are very very ample, and uh, we um, just about licked our plates. Um, I want to move on to some of the. Uh, first, I want to say you have some great salads. You know, your uh, house salad, your spinach salad, your Caesar salads, great salads. But uh, the entrees: um, blackened Louisiana drum, uh, blackened stuffed pork chop, marchand de vin, bronzed. Uh, salmon with fried oysters and herbal cream, bronze swordfish with jalapeno spiked uh, brown butter, pan-fried flounder with shrimp, char- char- sweet jambalaya, uh, uh, panned uh, veal with lobster anthony, blackened twin beef tenders with debris, which I know is a famous, and I was torn, um, but I, as I said, I had the stuffed veal chop, uh, which was fantastic, but I know the black and twin uh, beef tenders with debris. And tell our listeners what debris is. So the debris is a, um, a reduction of hard-roasting beef, beef and, and veal bones, big veal bones. <clears throat> so they'll hard-roast that, and then you get a good char on it, and then they'll hard-roast also vegetables, so you get a good char on that. Then they, they create that with, with the stock, and they keep reducing it and reducing it. It'll, it could take two to three days to come up with the richness and the flavor that Paul Miller's going to say, okay, it's ready. You know, and then it's finished off with um, beef cracklings. So that's the, the debris sauce. Um, the blackening um, is something that we're constantly trying to um, explain. <clears throat> Blackening is a cooking technique that Paul Prudhomme created. So it's, it's a technique. It's not about making it black. It's not about burning it. It's not about spice. It's not about heat. It's about a cooking technique. So the, whether it's the beef or it's the drum, which is our local fish, which is the cousin to the redfish, which is what we use originally to, to blacken. <clears throat> so it's just a very hot, 400 degrees, screaming hot cast iron skillet. Season the fish, both sides, dredge it in uh, uh, butter, 
and then put it in that that high skillet. It actually levitates. It's so the, because it's so hot, so it creates that seal with the seasoning and the butter, and it keeps the moisture of the inside the fish that it stays moist. Then they flip it, and then that's your blackened Louisiana drum. You know, so it's a cooking technique. That's that's how that was created for. Brenda, we're we've run out of time, and I uh, I wanted to touch on uh, you know some of your desserts. You know, you've got bread pudding with hard sauce, chocolate hill, uh, chocolate peanut butter pie, sweet potato pecan pie, custard Marie creme brulee with a praline bottom. Uh, but I also wanted to say that you know you you have this great wine list. You know, for any listeners out there who are uh, wine aficionados, you know, you've got a nice range of sparklings, whites, rosés from California, from Napa, Sonoma, Santa Barbara, and Oregon, upstate New York, Washington State, as well as French, Italian, Portuguese, Italian, and Australian wines. You know, you've got uh, more than just one or two Merlots, Pinots, or Zinfandels. You just have a great array of wines, and so we had some really nice wine pairings with, with our food. And I also want to say, you know, I, I hinted at this before, uh, but on this trip, uh, you know, we, uh, and, and this was just a few weeks back, we, we, we wanted to try some of the best po' boys and gumbos and beignets and some of the best cuisine. And so we had uh, an array of really, really fine food for some of the finest establishments in New Orleans, some of which we mentioned in this program. But you came out on top. I mean, it started with the gumbo, and we tried. I tried the gumbo specifically at each of these other places. None of them was as good as your gumbo. And for that matter, the whole meal, the hospitality, the whole enchilada, so to speak, was really uh, uh, just an incredible experience. And, and so I want to thank you uh, for taking the time to be on the program and to share some insight into the legacy of Chef Paul Pudram who, as we said, was an ambassador for American, Southern, Louisiana, Cajun, and Creole cooking, and you have done a fantastic job of preserving that legacy and and running a really uh, tight operation, Brenda. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you came and visited with us, and we're just blessed to, um, to be to be part of it. You know, it's, it is a blessing, and we do appreciate, you know, um, the opportunity to, to serve everybody that, that comes through our door. So, you know. Well, I have the distinct impression that, that you are uh, grateful for uh, uh, having inherited that legacy and for taking it seriously uh, uh, in, in preserving the legacy. So thank you very much, uh, Brenda Pudrum. And you've been listening to America's Web Radio and the Business Hour from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the Internet and on the radio next week.